0: Well, as you guys make your way back to your seats, um, we're going to continue in our series on faith. Um, I ended up settling on the title, Faith to Love. I kind of wanted to do Faith Like a Mother, but I felt like that didn't come aqua- across <laughs> quite right, so I didn't do that. <laughs> right. We could, we, could, we could have that be like the hidden subtitle. Um, just felt like, you know, when you start scrolling through like the podcast, that might look a little odd at some point. If somebody goes, faith like a mother, interesting. <laughs> um, but we, we really are going to reflect on moms this morning. And so we're going to do this in a very specific way. Um, we're going to look at Mary, and we're going we're gonna to look at her as, as a mom. And my hope is this. Number one, that we would recognize that there are some things that she reflects that all moms do. There, there, is, there is something that you as moms do, that our moms have done for us, that are reflected in Mary's life. And so we're gonna look at her life and have some, some gratitude and awareness of, of ways that moms love us really well. My, my hope this morning is that we will see a reflection of God's heart as we look at the way moms love us. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too weird or controversial here for you, but, you know, women reflect who God is. We, we use very masculine terminology in referring to God. He's God the Father. And I think that's appropriate because we see that in Scripture. Um, I think there's reasons for that. But there are places in the Word of God where he makes it clear that, that both male and female reflect him. I mean, right at the start in the in the book of Genesis, it says that we were made in his image, male and female. There's scriptures that talk about him mothering us. He, he longs to gather us under his wing like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And so um, I just worry at times we swing so far to avoiding getting weird and referring to him as a she or something that, that we miss that the feminine side of humanity reflects. God's character and nature in his heart. And so my hope is that we can get a dose of that today. Um, As we're looking at Mary's life, you know, I feel like as Protestants, sometimes we've swung a little too far. Like we just avoid talking about Mary altogether. Like she's to be honored and cherished and remembered. We don't deify her. We don't worship her, but we honor her. And we can can actually get a sense of how to do that looking at her own words. In Luke chapter 1, Verses 48 and 49, she says about herself, this, this awareness she's coming into that, that she gets to bear the Son of God. And she says, for he, speaking about the Lord, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We should do that. Yes. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. So listen, we should honor her, bless her, be an offer, and then we give the glory to God because he did miraculous things in and through her life. So that's what we're going to do together this morning. Now, one more thing that I need to say, and then we're going to pray together, and that is simply this. I am vastly unqualified to talk about this today. For, for me to get up here and try to talk about how incredible moms are, I'm just sort of the lucky recipient who's also just kind of a typical guy where like, I just sort of clumsily go through life and don't even really recognize all the incredible things that my mother and the wonderful mother that I'm married to do in my life. I rarely recognize it and probably even more rarely acknowledge it. So I'm going to try my best to stumble through this today. Um, But moms, we love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for reflecting the heart of God. All right, Let's pray together and let's invite the Lord to show us a little bit about his heart towards us. May we grab a hold of that today. So Heavenly Father, thank you that you are both mother and father, that in and of yourself, you have everything that we need for life, for joy, for peace. God, I thank you that um, even though you're the invisible God, that by faith we choose to worship, that God, you give us markers in this life to see you. We see you in the beauty of your creation, but God, you give us each other. You told us that we could look at fathers, we could look at mothers, and we could get a a picture, a glimpse of your heart. And so, Lord, we thank you for the moms in our lives, um, imperfect as they may be. God, we thank you for Mary and the way that she um, carried your son Jesus and the way that she loved him as his mother. We thank you for the picture that we see in her of the heart of moms, and ultimately of your heart, God. Would you make that real in us today? God, may we have faith to believe that you love us like that. And maybe if we can muster that much faith, we can muster a little bit more to believe that we could learn to love like this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at three basic things. This by no means encapsulates all that makes up a mama, but we're going to look at three specific ways when we look at Mary's life um, where she reflects the heart of what a a mom is. And so the first thing that moms do is they believe in us. There should be an amen to that. Moms believe in us. Have you ever heard an athlete give a speech after they receive some sort of award? What they rarely say, "Dad, you're the best. I love you. Thank you." It's mom. It's like this is for my mom. I love my mom. I'll never forget. Um, I'm an NBA guy, and so I remember when Kevin Durant won the MVP. You know, at the end of his speech, it was this great speech. You should watch it if you care about that sort of thing. But at the end of his speech, you know, he just does this like, mom, you're the real MVP line. And it wasn't just a line. I mean, you just saw it in his eyes, in her eyes. If you know his story and the lack of fatherhood that he had, um, he was aware of all that his mom had carried to get him to a point where he could be successful. His mom believed in him long before anybody was going, look at that incredible basketball player. That's what moms do. They believe in us. They believe in us. They celebrate us. They treasure us. And we see that in Mary's life. First of all, right, right at the beginning of Jesus' life, you know, all we get in some places in Scripture is like these little tidbits, these little nuggets. And, and before Jesus kind of moves fully into adulthood, we only have these little glimpses of his childhood. But in just the few passages that we have, we see over and over again Mary treasuring what's happening in her heart. It's, it's mentioned that she treasures what's happening. She ponders on it. like she, She's reflecting on her son and all that surrounds his life. She marvels at what God's doing. She marvels at this child that she gets to hold. And so right from birth, she does that. I'll, I'll never forget. The, there's a very specific look on my wife's face. When she delivers a baby, and that baby gets handed, placed into her arms, our oldest is sitting right here next to her. I'll never forget when we thought Ashley was going to be a boy. (laughs) We didn't find out what we were having with our first child, and all of us thought she was going to be a boy, and she came out, and she was a beautiful girl, and she gets placed in Amy's arms, and that look on her face is just the best. She, She was in awe. She was in wonder cherishing. So it was all there. And, and I'll never forget when we decided to take the step to adopt, and we go through that whole long process, and we we travel to Ukraine to adopt this little boy, and Micah was always like undersized. He's always wearing clothes that are a little bit smaller than his age, and um, he was about to be four, but he looked like he was one and a half or two, just toddling around. Big, chubby hands. He's still got pretty big hands, if you know Micah. But big chubby face and like, we just see this kid come running up. And I watched my wife and she just melted and had the same look in her eyes that she did when she gave birth. And like, it caught my attention. Like, that's a mom who loves and chooses to love and chooses to cherish. And so, thank you for reflecting that kind of love. Moms believe in us. We're going to look more at this story in a few minutes, but... Um, the first miracle of Jesus. Anybody know what he did? It's one of my favorite things. (laughs) He turned water into wine. Yes. Man, y'all are quiet this morning. What is it? I don't feel like this is the normal vibe here. He turned water into wine. It's awesome. Do you realize that was not his plan? That might rock our view of Jesus and God and how he does things, But listen, his mom believed in him before anyone else had ever seen any miracle. She's like, oh, we ran out of wine. I know who can take care of that. My boy can take care of that. She believed in her son. Um, And then ultimately, I love this, she celebrated him. We already read a bit of this, but I want to read kind of the first just simple lines um, of Mary's song as she just magnifies God as she's in awe of the fact that she gets to be a mom. And so in Luke's gospel, chapter one, verse 46, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Man, she has so much gratitude and joy and celebration at this child that she gets to have that she turns and goes, God, you're amazing. Thank you. I worship you. Moms know how to celebrate. Moms believe in us. They treasure us. Listen, God loves us like this too. He loves you like that. He's, he sees you with those mother's eyes that are just in instantly. He's just enraptured with love for you. He's thought about you forever. He's been, he's been planning your days, your life. He's been living in anticipation of that moment you would show up on the scene. And He just he thinks about you constantly. And if you're sitting there thinking like, well, Jake, that sounds good, and maybe you're just trying to encourage me this morning. No, this is biblical. Check this out. I want you to let this really sink in. Psalm 139. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. This is a reflection of God's heart towards us even before we were born. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed me, my inward parts You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You see the intricacy, the care? He's thinking about every detail, every detail. There's some details I wish he'd gotten a little bit differently about the way I look. but, But he thinks, man, that's exactly what I wanted to make. Jake, I wanted your hair to curl like that. I wanted you to have a fro when it starts to get long or whatever. Like he, you know, those little things that we even find annoying about ourselves. He's like, man, I made you just like that. I get delight in that. Maybe I even get a little giggle about that. But he he knit us together. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God was in awe as he was making you. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Most of the time in scripture, that's our attitude towards him. Like when people see him, they have this sense of awe and fear like, whoa. Whoa. But when God was knitting us together, when he was thinking about you, he did it in awe and wonder. He treasures us. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Man, I hope so. That's my prayer this morning, that our souls would know it very well, how loved and treasured we are. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. You know, the way moms see potential in us that we don't see in ourselves and they believe in us, man, he really sees it. All the unformed, unknown things about us, he sees all that potential. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Check this out. How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. So he's, he's reflecting on God's thoughts towards us. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Why do think about that for a minute? He's saying God thinks about us constantly. His thoughts towards us are vast. And when we wake up, he's there. Any moms in the room ever just sat there and watched your kids as maybe like they fall asleep, you know, on your chest, or you're even watching them, in their bed or their crib and just kind of watching them sleep there. Like that's what, that's what moms do. We cherish our kids even when they're asleep and we're taking care of all the stuff they can't take care of, man, especially when they're little. We're taking care of everything, right? Y'all are taking care of everything. (laughs) I'm just sleeping. Um, No, y'all are taking care of everything. Like you treasure them. And so even when we wake up, it's like, boom, there's mom. There's mom right there, right where I left her. That's that's our Father's heart towards us. He's right there. So God does this. He believes in us. He celebrates us. He treasures us. All right, second thing that's really cool about moms um, is that moms can say and do the things that only a mom can say and do. So they treasure us, but man, they'll also tell us what is up. In fact, it's, it's the very fact that moms do treasure us That moms do celebrate us, that they have the right to say the things that need to be said. Mom can say those things and I can still know she loves me, but man, she is not happy right now. (laughs) Moms challenge us, they correct us, they embolden us, they speak things into being, like they fill us with courage. They stand by us, they stand by us. Those are some of the hard things that moms do. They challenge us, they stand by us. They fill us with strength and courage. And so I want to look at some examples of this in Jesus' life. Um, So we're going to take a look at the story of Jesus, where he's now about 12 years old, and they've journeyed to Jerusalem, and they've celebrated together, and they're supposed to be heading back to their hometown, but Jesus has stayed behind, and he's in the temple, um, um, blowing away the, the priests and stuff with his questions. And so his parents are in this frenzy as they've traveled Days. Like they're probably in this, this family caravan type group and start to realize, man, we thought Jesus was with his cousins and his friends and he's not here. Where's he at? And they're doing what any parent would do. They're freaking out. They are panicking and they can't find him. And so, exasperated, they rushed back to Jerusalem and are looking everywhere. And we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 46. After three days, can y'all say three days? Now, I don't want to make y'all admit any of your shortcomings as a parent on Mother's Day, but just kind of like inwardly nod if you've ever like kind of had your kid missing for a few minutes at the grocery store. Maybe you left them at church on a Sunday and drove all the way home one time. <laughs> My little brother, John, man, he just got left. I don't know what and he turned out great though, but. (laughs) Right, we, like parents, we've all experienced at least a brief moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm in panic. I have no idea where my kids are right now or one of my kids is. It's a terrifying feeling. Like, don't read this like it's some silly Bible story. They couldn't find their 12-year-old son for three days. This is the moment where you're horrified, terrified, scared to death, and then you find out he's perfectly fine and you're ready to kill him. Because it's like, what? You, you actually need to be hurt or in trouble as a kid when you're gone for that long. Because if you're okay and just wandered off, man, you're in trouble now. Listen, that's... That's where Mary's at. Like, can y'all get there? That's where she is in the story. Three days of looking for a 12-year-old son. She's going crazy. And so they find him in the temple, verse 46, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I'm gonna tell you more about that word in a minute. They were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. No kidding, you're driving us crazy. We've been desperately looking for you. How could you do this to us? You're just sitting here casually. We're going crazy here. This word astonished, it it has like this, it's this really full, deep word. It means both terror and admiration isn't that wild it means terror like I'm, I'm scared and I'm nervous and I'm blown away but also like there's a sense of, of admiration there and it's like wait something special is going on here but also like are you kidding me right now really you couldn't have given me a heads up you were going to hang out in the temple for a few days and figure out what these guys think they know but, but that's like only a mom could hold terror and admiration in her heart at the exact same moment in time with their kid. But moms do that. And so she's letting them know what's up. Verse 49, And Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She corrects him. He he submits and comes willingly. But yet, that cherishing hasn't changed. She's still just kind of in awe of her kid. Moms, y'all do that so well. You walk that line of holding us accountable, teaching us the things that we need to be taught, correcting the things that need to be corrected, and yet you keep believing in us. It's kind of amazing to me, honestly, I mean, I've had people in my life with really every right to go, I'm kind of done with that guy. He's shown me enough to go, eh, I think I'm I'm over that. I think I can move on. And yet, our moms who know the most about us and have seen us at our worst are the ones that stick with us. They stand by us. Yeah, they're going to say the things we need to hear, but it's out of love. It's motivated by love. That's God's heart towards us. He sticks with us. He stands by us, but he says what needs to be said. All right, second story. I mentioned the wedding at Cana in passing, and I just want to briefly share some of it here. So Jesus is at this wedding. Um, it's not his time yet to start his ministry or to do miracles, and yet they've run out of wine, and so his mom shows up, and in John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. You know those moments when you're saying more than the words that are coming out of your mouth? Like, Jesus fully understood what his mom was saying. It wasn't a passing comment, like, oh, they've got no more wine. She's saying, hey, buddy, what are you going to do about this? Y'all catching that? He caught it, verse 4. And he said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He knows the weight that is behind that question. She's asking him to fix this problem. And The Son of God says, it's not my time. I'm not supposed to do a miracle yet. This isn't it. I don't know what what it was supposed to be, but he's going, hey, this isn't it. And in typical mother's fashion, like only a mom can do, it's not just that she tells him to do it anyways, she ignores him. She ignores what he's saying and just turns to the servants there and says, Do whatever he tells you. And so Jesus is like, all right, mom, you're the mom. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) You can't refuse a mother's request, right? Like, he just does it. And, of course, the very first miracle happens. I think it's so cool that one of of the miracles that most reflects the work that Jesus came to do happened because he obeyed his mom, because he listened to the instructions of his mom. It's this perfect, perfect, picture of what he came to do for us his first miracle is taking water and turning it into wine what's he doing the next time we see him holding a glass of wine saying this is this is my blood that's shed for you for the remission of your sins his mom showed him what sacrificial love looked like and he walked that out his whole life his mom saw the miracle worker but that's not all she saw Because because moms stand in the place where no one else will stand. Moms don't just correct us sometimes, get on our case sometimes when we need it, stand by and, and love us and encourage us and believe in us. They stand there when life is hard, when everyone else disappears. All these manly men, these disciples, these fishermen that had given three years of their life to stand by his side, to follow him, to take a stand for Jesus. And on the night that he's betrayed, where do they go? They run and hide. Who's standing right there at his crucifixion? His mom. Right where he knew she'd always be. Standing by his side. See, this is, this is the hardest job of a mom, is to stand in that place nobody else will stand. But in our moments of greatest pain and weakness and listen the cross wasn't a failure for Jesus but it represents our failure and our moms will stand there with us in our greatest moment of failure moms are awesome like that they never leave us and they never forsake us who does that sound like this is what god's like this is what god's like he stands by us he'll address the hard things in order to help us grow but he never gives up on us. If you want a picture of this in your own time of reflection, this is in my notes if you want to look at it later, I want you to hold two passages kind of together and reflect on how God is like this. It's the passage in Luke 15 where we have the story of the loving father who had two prodigal sons. And watch how he loved them faithfully, never giving up, standing by them. And then check out Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 through 13 where we hear about how God loves us and he disciplines those that he loves for our good, for our benefit. This is how God loves us. Finally, this morning, kind of already started down this road, but moms experience the pain of letting go so that we can grow into who we're meant to be. Moms experience the pain of letting go so we can grow into who we're meant to be. This is a journey that starts the first time we pop out going, wah! Starts right there, at birth. I, I can't wrap my head around what y'all must experience. Stephanie, I can't wrap my head around what you're experiencing right now. Carrying the, a beautiful child. Awesome. But there's something special that moms do where where they literally let that child go into the world to grow up to who they're called to be. And it's wonderful and it's painful. Us guys, we don't even really totally get that. I know that's my flesh and blood right there, but there is stuff I don't get that my wife does. Um, This is alluded to right at the beginning of Jesus' birth. Mary brings him to the temple to be um, consecrated. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, the old man Simeon, who'd been looking for the Savior his whole life, comes walking up and has a conversation with Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. From birth itself, life as a mom is learning to let go. There's a special bond that none of us guys will ever get, and there's a unique wound that you moms carry. Because you love us, because you sacrifice, you let go. Um, As children age, as they get older and older, right? there's this process of learning to let go. Look, I, I know there's aspects of what Jesus is saying here in this passage. I'm, I'm not trying to make it more than it is, but like just hear it as a mom this morning, okay? In Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, Jesus is in the middle of ministry, and his mom's outside going, hey, time for some family time. Trying to, her and, and some of his siblings are trying to call him out away from ministry. In the middle of him doing what he was called to do, In Matthew 12, verse 46, it says this. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. As our kids grow, mom starts to fall into the background. And one of the ways you moms love us so well is, is you release and you learn to let go. You don't squash that development. You don't squash that growth. You move from that nurturing, tender, caring to like releasing and celebrating and being a cheerleader, watching, watching your kids go on to other things. It's a risky move, but you guys do it for the sake of life. You let us be who we're called to be. It's awesome. And ultimately, at Jesus' death, we already talked about this, his mom's there as he's on the cross, the ultimate letting go, the ultimate sacrifice. There's this incredible um, sculpture. We can put it up on the screen. I was really, Amy and I got hugely blessed to get to go to Italy a few years ago. And on our trip, we went to Vatican City at one point. And you go into St. Peter's Basilica and there is this, this beautiful carving. This is the Pieta. Is it up there? Okay, Michelangelo formed this out of this piece of marble. I want to read you a little bit about him and this. Um, Michelangelo carved a number of works in Florence, but in the 1490s, he left Florence and he ended up in Rome. And in 1497, a cardinal there commissioned Michelangelo to create a work of sculpture to go into a side chapel at old St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. The resulting work, the paeta, would be so successful that it helped launch Michelangelo's career unlike any other previous work he had done. He claimed that that block of marble he used was the most perfect block he ever used. And he would go on to polish and refine this work more than any other statue he created. Now, one of the things that's so unique about this is the way he shaped it This is not meant to reflect Mary holding Jesus at his death. This is meant to reflect Mary holding her infant son and seeing into the future of what the sacrifice was going to be. If you look at where her eyes are fixed, it's down in her lap. She's not looking at his face. If you look at her face, she almost looks younger than he does. It was on purpose. Moms do this. They take the risk of bringing a life into a world of death. It's a big risk. But you guys give us life. You give us an opportunity. And God says, let me take it from there. The biggest step of faith that mothers take is birthing a life into the world of death and trusting that God will redeem that life and that at our moment of death, we move into life eternal. That's the heart of God. That's the promise of God. God took this risk. Before the foundation of the world, he knew his son was gonna die. He deemed us worthy. He deemed us loved enough that the sacrifice was worth it. Jesus agreed with him and went willingly to the cross. This is God's heart. God loves us He redeems us. He stands in the place no one else will stand. And he's the one that can take even our death and turn it into a glorious miracle. That's the heart of our God who loves us. We've been kind of camping out in Hebrews chapter 11 and there's just this one little hidden line when we're reading through about all these saints and glorious, miraculous things that they see and... We reflect on ways that they suffered for their faith. And there's this one little line at the beginning of Hebrews 11.35 that simply says, women received back their dead by resurrection. Moms, I just wanna encourage you, it's worth it. Hang in there. Thank you for hanging in there with me. It's worth it, hang in there. God is with you, he loves you, he sees you, you're not a failure, you're not falling short, you're imperfect, but he's the perfect father and he's with you. And when we're even reaching that point where we're releasing our kids more and more, we're not releasing them empty out into the world, we're releasing them into the hands of the perfect loving father who redeems hearts and lives. That's who we're trusting. So my hope this morning is that we can see the love of God the faith of our moms and that we can believe God loves us that much and that we could have faith to learn to love sacrificially like that. Let's pray. God, one more time, we want to thank you for our moms. God, for all their, their, um, their shortcomings, for all the wonderful things they've done for us, God, we honor you and thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would bless and strengthen and encourage our moms. God, thank you for the women in this church. Thank you for the young ladies in this church that are growing up here. God, would you continue to instill in them who they are in you, your precious daughters that you love and honor and celebrate, that you've got dreams and plans for. They're not too far broken. They're not too far gone. They don't need to live in in fear or shame anxiety. God, our daughters can live beloved by you, cherished by you, treasured by you. Thank you for that, God. Lord, you sink that truth down into all of our hearts. God, this morning, if if we just have enough faith to believe that you love like this, God, that's enough. Or if any of us struggle with that, if we have a hard time seeing your steadfast, faithful love towards us, God, I pray we could have faith to believe that today. And God, for those of us who, that's becoming more and more a reality for us. We see it. We believe it. God, I pray that we would have the faith to start loving others like that. That we could celebrate people. Stick stick it out with people. We could say hard things, but in love. We could treasure and honor the people around us that have been made in your image. And God, we don't have to control them. We get to release them into your hands, but but teach us to love like you love. God, we love you and we worship you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.